0: my very good friend, Dennis Giannouxos.
1: Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos.
2: Hey, listeners, welcome to another week and another episode of the Leadership is Changing podcast mashup. It's great to have you here with me, and I've got two wonderful guests that I want to introduce you to today as part of this mashup. Once again, the mashup is whereby we bring certain snippets from different episodes that we've been doing over the past sort of few months, and some wonderful interviews that I've had. Episode 315 is Antonio Nito-Rodriguez, and a wonderful guy, and I asked him the question around what is, you know, about leadership, who's your favourite leader, and so forth, and gave him a little bit of a hard time to make sure that he was going to select a leader from Greece, a Greek leader. But no, he didn't. But never mind, you'll find out more when you have a listen to this mashup. Now, the episode that he was on, on 315... The actual title for that episode is Leaders are not prepared for a changing world. The other guest is from episode 317, Julian Hayes II. And uh, the topic there was holistic leadership. And so just have a listen to both of these uh, gentlemen that I've actually shared in smash up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the mashup. Antonio, now this person could be alive or from history. I, I'm probably gonna. I, I presume you're gonna choose a Greek, a Greek leader. I'm pretty sure you will. <laughs> or maybe you'll choose a Spanish one. But yeah. the thing here, I got the question I've got for you is, who's your favorite leader and why?
0: I will not talk about a leader in a business. One of my persons that has kind of touched me most is a uh, one of the most probably the world expert in executive coaching called Marshall Goldsmith. I had the pleasure to meet him in some awards events, Thinker Fifty. And what this Marshall did a few years ago, he said, well, I've been very successful I've been uh, coaching the most important CEOs around the world. I want to give away for free all what I've learned to 100 people. And I I thought, wow, this guy is amazing. I was lucky to be part of one of these 100 people and the generosity of sharing what you've Uh, learn and what you've achieved to other people I've done come across very often I thought well this is usually people tend to be very ego-centered and selfish and they want more and more and more and I found this person Marshall who was willing to share and said well this is I think modern leadership where you give away what you know mostly freely he introduced me to other amazing leaders like Alan Mulali, who was the former CEO of uh, of Boeing and moved into Ford, CEO of Ford. And I had the pleasure to discuss about leadership with Alain Mulali. So this type of two people, I would say, have uh, become friends and great influencers and great examples of leadership. It happens to know Alain Mulali was one of the best project sponsors I've ever met. He used that when he was developing. Uh, airplanes in Boeing, and he did that with Ford too. So it became also a connection personally on my topic. Okay, if you want to be a successful CEO, then look into Alain Mulally. He really understood projects and how to implement that in in two major organizations. So this would be my top two picks today, Dennis. Sorry, it's not Greek or Spanish. (laughs) Oh, never mind. I'm sure they know some Greeks, so and that's all good. Um,
2: yeah. uh, Antonia, what's really, Im- what's quite interesting you're saying there is about these two individuals. So, for me, the question that just came up for me then is the importance of hanging around or being around successful people. For leaders who want to become CEOs, or they're in a C suite role, or they're in a senior leader role right now, and they want to become a C suite, or they want to be on a board, and, and um, or even people who want to become a frontline leader, right? What should they do should, you know, around successful people? Should they hang around them? What, what's, what's some things you think that they should be doing?
0: Absolutely, that is. I think it's important nowadays. It's quite easy to follow uh, influential people and even get in touch with them and say, listen, if you don't mind, you can just spare a few minutes. I'm looking for some advice. I appreciate what you're doing. So I think you need to be careful because the pros of this accessibility becomes a Con in terms of, well, they get too many requests, right? And, and I'm sure you get that, Dennis. I get a lot. And, and you try to keep polite, but just when you find the right approach to you, then you say, okay, I'm going to spend time with this person. I think I can add somebody, but if they're demanding, they're, the approach is not, then you try to ignore them. So, but definitely, I think trying to get into these networks where people are generous, who are willing to share. I'm against commercializing everything, right? And and having different type of subscription, the golden, the platinum and that. You need to find uh, the right leaders where you can get access to them. I think that's part of leadership, right? Is being accessible and helping other people. So definitely don't be shy. Just uh, be careful or thoughtful on how you approach these people for some advice. But if you do it right... I think you can really get a lot of this approach for becoming a better leader. Definitely,
2: yeah. I, I like what you said there in relation to the fact that you know you can approach them, but um, but also you know being around people and giving things. I don't mind giving my time to people and helping people and giving things to them. You know, maybe information, things like that. My knowledge, experience, as long as they go and do something with it. If you're going to yeah. come to me and you want to, you want to, uh, you know suck my brain, as they call it, I want to, you know, just to pick your brain. I'm like, well, yeah, but what are you going to do with this here, right? I mean, it's really important that you're going to do something with it going forward. And I think that's that's important to think about. Now, Antonio, okay. you, you mentioned before in relation to a little bit about leadership is changing, and that's, the, of course, the title of the show that we're on the episode, this podcast. Uh, when I mentioned that title or that statement, leadership is changing, what does that mean for you?
0: Well, it just resonated so much because I'm, I'm thinking the future of work or the workplace or how we see organization, I believe it's changing dramatically. We've never seen the change that we've seen. And I'm not talking about uh, working through Zoom or hybrid or virtual. In my research and my publication in HBR, the book or the article about the project economy says that for the past century, most of the focus and the leadership and the structure and the culture and the hierarchies has been focused on operational activities, right? 80, 90%. That's management attention, leadership attention, priorities has always been operational activities, the, the extensive, the marketing, the finance, the, the operations, the quality, the sales. But with, with the increase of speed and the increase of change and plus, Adding to the mix, the uh, automation, heavy automation, robotization, AI, operations shrinks. And what you see is that now most of the people like in banking or finance, you see them working in project-based teams and agile teams. And, and to that point is that we just discussed that this leadership is different in a changing world where people don't report, people want freedom, people want to be self-managed. But yet they want to be inspired, too. They want to have the resources. They want to have senior leader support when they need that, not when you want it. So it's a very different ballgame. And I'm afraid that leaders are not prepared. I think one of the major issues why so many projects fail, and we're talking about 60 to 70 percent of project failure. Imagine if you invest one billion in projects every year, 700 million are just wasted. It's from senior executives. Because they don't know their role. They don't know uh, how to prioritize. They have not adapted the structure uh, of their organization, the culture to be more agile. They don't know how to sponsor projects. So I think uh, it's uh, just a very, very different type of leaders that we need to succeed in, in what I call the project economy, which is, yeah, most of the work is carried out through projects now. And it's a different game and you need to really change the type of leadership yeah
2: absolutely and i love what you say there in relation to leaders are not prepared enough i don't think they are i think they're struggling they're working some long hours and, and things like that because they're not able to be they're not sure how to handle things uh leaders who are handling it well you can see how they are doing it and whatever's been thrown at them they're able to adapt to, to pivot to be flexible do all those kind of things which is really interesting now this person could be reliable or from history who is your favorite leader and why? Hmm.
1: Man, it's a tough one.
2: There, I, have, I have a couple people in mind, but
1: JFK. J- JFK gets the nod for me. And the reason why is I like JFK because, one, I think he's, he's one of the, our greatest presidents in the States. And, but also, I think he had a great blend of charisma, being very aspirational, then also having a good team surrounding him to kind of mask his deficiencies. And so, and also he wasn't the, he was, he had character flaws that we all, that are well-documented. And I think that's a very accurate portrayal of all of us, that none of us, we're all flawed individuals. We all have deficiencies and and things that are not so good. And that's, that's just being human. And, you know, he had the health issues as well. And I, I just think overall, I think JFK just
2: does that for me. Fascinating about JFK and so forth here. Now, Julian, if you had the opportunity to sit on a park bench with him and have a coffee together, what would be one question you might want to ask him? Let's pretend that he
1: did get assassinated and he completed his presidency, or actually even before that, even just during his, his terms that he did, even that he did right there. I would ask him, what's the one biggest mistake that he made and, and what he learned from it?
2: Hmm. Mm, yeah, I wonder what he would say. Yeah, hmm. be interesting, eh? Yeah, I could. Yeah, I couldn't even guess it. No, but you know, just having that opportunity to sit down on a park bench and ask those kind of questions, I think, is really important. And you know, listeners, at times, you know, life is short. If you have an opportunity to ask a leader or somebody you know that burning question that you've always wanted to ask, I would say take the opportunity to go and ask that question. Find a way to get to that person to ask questions because we can learn heaps from it. Uh,
1: Absolutely. I, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't just from sending emails just to uh-huh. people I, I liked or just at talking to people just on the street or as I go about. I lived in New York for a little bit and just talking to people and just learning things, you would be surprised
2: at the amount of wisdom that you can gain. If I could summarize what you just said there, probably into word, I think it's probably curious or curiosity. Are you that kind of person?
1: Absolutely, I think curiosity is my driving force. You know, a lot of things within the health firm right now with being interested in genetic testing and different biometric technologies and any sort of new interventions and things that are being added, stems from curiosity of just how can we
2: increase this potential, this threshold of what we call life. Yeah. And Julian, that's something I talk to leaders about, is the fact that if we are curious and we are finding out more and we're learning more about things, that will make us an even better leader. And I think even in the health industry uh, side of things too, that as a leader perspective, we are curious about the health side and our fitness and our exercise, exercise is the vehicle to help us get fit if we're we're if we're learning about that that's going to make us a better leader absolutely
1: because if you think about this our health is i always like to think of it as like the head of the octopus and then these other different facets of life are those tentacles but that head is the middle the essential thing that has those things that are governing it so if that head is going to have a decrease or not functioning properly then those other facets of life are not going to function properly. And so when we look at leadership, when we think of a great leaders, great leaders are charismatic. Great leaders make sound decisions. Great leaders are logical most of the time, but they have a little a bit of emotion as well. And so even if we just name those few things right there, and also just how they control their words and their, their verbiage, their, cog- their cognition as well, something simple as sleep has a big effect on that you know, we have the prefrontal cortex and then we have the amygdala in our brain. These two key areas, prefrontal cortex, logic and reasoning, amygdala, a lot more emotional. And when we're sleep deprived, there's heightened activity in that amygdala and there's less activity in that prefrontal cortex. So you're having a leader that is going about his day working with others who's operating more from an emotional state rather than a logical standpoint. So of course the business decisions are not going to be probably as ideal. But if you think about just communication, which is huge for a leader as they're working with a team, they're probably going to be a little more agitated or just short-tempered in terms because they're in this more high emotional state. So they're going to be a little jumpy and people can feel that energy because communication verbally is 7%, but the rest of it is non-verbal. And just something from our posture, the way that we are walking in the room and carrying ourselves, that is
2: communicating already. Awesome. So in other words, listeners, the way is a leader shows up is really important. and It comes down to one thing, but probably many things. But one of those things is sleep, and if you're having quality sleep. Now, Julian, how long should people be sleeping for? How, how many hours should they yeah. be getting? Mm-hmm. We used to think that eight hours was the gold standard, mm. and now thanks to the genetics
1: and a lot of different other research studies out there, it kind of depends. So generally, what I tell people, without knowing any background on them, I typically say it's about seven hours is typically the sweet spot for most people. Now. If you have a more highly stressful life, if you're putting a lot of stress and wear and tear on your body, you're probably going to need more. So an example for myself, I train maybe, I train probably two times a day. Typically, I I go for long runs. I box sometimes. I lift weights in addition to the the work stuff. So that's a lot of extra strain on my body. So in that case, you can probably bump that up closer to eight hours.
2: Yeah. When I do my high-intensity boxing session 45 minutes, Oh, i sleep like a baby i uh, really it really really does help but it's interesting right so 7 8 hours i know a lot of leaders you know are doing 5 hours 4 hours 6 hours and it's just not enough and someone's going to give something has to give but they do come home grumpy they do go home they do snap at their teams as well and i think it's really important that they do have quality sweet uh sleep absolutely Absolutely, because you're, you you got to think about this. You even if you're performing well right now
1: on five hours of sleep, think about what's the, what's being left on the table still. Because our brain is is very sophisticated, so we can get used to this state of sleep deprivation. It doesn't mean that it's ideal. So what we're doing in this time is we're existing, but we're not
2: necessarily thriving. And there's a huge difference in those two parameters right there. There, that is huge. Existing versus thriving. There you go, listeners. What can you do to make sure that you are thriving and not just existing? Yeah, existing is going to get you by, but it's about thriving. And actually, this is a great segue now into the next question here, Julian, which is around the title of this show, of this show here is called Leadership is Changing. When I mention that title or that statement, what does that mean for you? When I, leadership is Changing. It's, it's like a life metaphor
1: that everything is ever growing and fluid and it's dynamic and evolving. And the way we think about leadership and the way that we look at old, you know, even presidents and everything, and even old CEOs of how they were all just very stoic and never showed any emotion that's gone out the window. I think leadership now is being a much more holistic and well rounded individual who has a high EQ and IQ as well
2: to both balance those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, and listeners do go and find out more about the IQ and the EQ side of things I think it's really important that what Julian's just said there for you to think about well there you go uh, listeners, what a wonderful mashup that's been We're from episode 315 Antonio Nito Rodriguez and talking about becoming a leader is a marathon and some really really cool stuff that he's sharing especially around project management and what are the executives looking for And of course, how a lot of them are overwhelmed because they have more projects than people. Julian Hayes II around holistic leadership and he was talking about fitness and the way that the brain works and our mindset. And of course, they asked him the question, how much time of sleep or how much sleep should we actually have? And of course, it used to be around about the eight hours, but you know, he says nowadays depends on everybody It is really dependent, but also he sees people around the seven-hour mark is probably optimum. Whatever it is, uh, listeners, have a listen to the full episodes on both of these interviews that I did. Wonderful. But also, what I'm going to ask you to do is, if you haven't put a review and a rating, if you listen to Apple, please go in there and put a review and a rating. That really is going to help the actual level of the actual podcast being seen by other people as well. And you know and I know that the information on these podcasts, these episodes have been wonderful, and people can learn so much from them if they get to see and listen to the podcast. All right, listeners, it's great being with you. Until next time, thanks for joining.